Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this chance to open the truth of your word. To study your word, Father, just impress upon our hearts the importance of living our lives based on the truth and the foundation of who you are in our lives. Lord, may, we, may we see the light of truth and may it impact us for eternity. Father, I pray through our study this morning that we'd be transformed more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Some of you are thinking, I was already in my place in Genesis 26. We're going this week, and the next couple of weeks, actually, we're going to set aside and take a little bit of a break from Genesis, although I'm greatly enjoying the study. But we want to think for the next little while, the next few weeks, about the birth of Christ, and we want to prepare our hearts. And today, we want to think about Thanksgiving. I want to think about all we're thankful for because this is a wonderful time of the year. So many of us have great memories of Thanksgiving. I remember when I was a kid, we always went to Meemaw and Granddaddy's house. That's, that's what I call my grandparents. Spent time with family, great food, Macy's Day Parade, right? We all have remembrances of kids, Thanksgiving, and we think about Thanksgiving now. And this week, many of us are off of work. There's going to be a moment at some point this week when you sit down with your family, maybe with your friends, and you're going to eat, and you're going to remember all the blessings of life. And some of you may even have a tradition where you go around and you talk about all the things you're thankful for. And so you're going to talk about things like your family. You're going to talk about things like your health or, or maybe your job or, or the great food that's been prepared before. You're going to talk about all of the things that you're thankful for. And all of those things certainly are blessings. But I want to think this morning and I want to kind of focus our attention on some other blessings. Blessings that I believe with all my heart that far too often we take for granted. These things are blessings that are more important than all the other blessings I just mentioned combined. They're the blessings of the Lord that he's given us in our spiritual walk. They're spiritual blessings. And I believe as we walk through these passages of scripture this morning together, I believe that as we live our lives in the hectic day-to-day rush of all that takes place, It's very easy for us to forget about the spiritual blessings of life. And so I want to focus this morning on exactly what the Lord has done for us and all that he's given us. And it should lead us to a place of thanksgiving. And so we're going to study this morning Psalm 95. We're going to study verses 1 through 7. I'll read them all and then we're going to go back and work through them individually as we study this morning. Psalm 95 beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screen as well for you. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, 
For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the flock under his care. Now there's several ideas in this passage of scripture that I want to work through and think about this morning. And number one, I think it's foundational, and yet I think it's the thing we miss so often as we think about the blessings of the Lord. Here's truth number one. We are, or maybe we should rephrase that, we should be thankful because we have salvation through the Lord. I would argue that our salvation should be the greatest source of thankfulness in our lives. Our salvation in Jesus Christ is the biggest blessing we will ever receive, bar none. Now I want you to just let that kind of sit for a second and think about that. Because we have incredible blessings in this world, don't we? In fact, I mentioned some just a few minutes ago. Some of you are thankful, obviously, for your family, for your, for your health, for the job that the Lord has given you. But I want you to think about something just for a second with me. All of those things are temporary, aren't they? They're only going to last while we're here. All the stuff and the things and the jobs and the food and all the good things of life, the things that we enjoy and the things that are blessings of the Lord, all those are temporary, but the blessing of our salvation will last for all eternity. Now, if you're like me, we get caught up in the things of life, we get caught up in the rush of life, and we forget about the spiritual blessings oftentimes, don't we? We're thankful for the material things as we should be. But I would argue that above all things, especially this Thanksgiving season, we should be thankful for our salvation in the Lord. And I want you to notice how the writer of Psalm 95 explains this. Some of the adjectives and phrases used. The writer says that we should sing for joy. The writer says we should shout aloud. The writer says, come before him with thanksgiving. The writer says, praise him with music and song. Why do we do these things? Why do we sing for joy and shout aloud and come before him with thanksgiving and sing music and song? Why do we do these things? Very simply because we have salvation in him. Now, if you were to read through the book of Psalms, and I know some people have a kind of habit of doing that. You like to read through. By, by the way, just a side note, if you're ever struggling with something in life or going through kind of a rough patch, you ought to read through some of these psalms. Because what we see time and time again in the psalms are praises to the Lord. Praise you, Lord, for who you are. Praise you for your strength. And oftentimes what we see in the psalms are things like this. Lord, I'm going through a difficult time. I'm going through a struggle. There are a lot of bad things happening, but praise your name because I know you're still there for me. I know you still sit on your throne. Psalms like chapter 13, verse 6. I will sing to the Lord's praise for he's been good to me. The goodness of the Lord. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. Psalm 57, 9. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. Psalm 70, 71, 22, I will praise you with the heart for your faithfulness. My God, on and on this list goes, there are all sorts of scriptures in this book. There are all sorts of psalms that lead us to praise the Lord because he is God, because he is all-powerful, because he has given us salvation, and that ought to lead us to a place of worship and a place of thanksgiving. 
Now, I just want to be real clear because I think sometimes there's confusion here. And I have conversations with people on a pretty regular basis and it helps me understand sometimes the confusion people have with salvation. I just want you to understand very clearly salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot, you cannot, let me just say it one more time. You cannot do anything to work your way to heaven. You can't be good enough. You can't say enough nice things. You can't come to church enough. You can't go to enough Bible studies. You can't memorize enough scriptures. You can't share who Christ is enough times. All those things are good and they're part of our walk with Christ. But if you want to think about this idea of salvation, if you want to understand clearly how you get to heaven, what does it take for a person to get to heaven? It's simply their faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it very clearly. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The scriptures are clear. We have salvation in Christ alone. And because of that salvation in Christ alone, we can spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. But I want you to look back in verse 1, if you would. Bring that verse back up for me, please, Wanda. Verse 1 is interesting in the way in which it describes our salvation. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud. Right? There's this sense of excitement. There's this sense of praise, of singing, of shouting to the, what? Rock of our salvation. Isn't that interesting? The psalmist wants us to understand that as we walk through this life, salvation in Jesus Christ is foundational to us. you understand that? It's the rock upon which we stand. Everything in your life should be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. The moment you step off of that rock, off of that foundation, off of that solid footing, and you try to build something outside of his will, it's going to crumble. Far too many of us have experienced that in our lives, haven't we? We've decided we want to step away from the things of the Lord we want to step away from his teaching. We want to step away from his truth. And we want to make a decision based on what we want to do. And so we build our house in the sand, so to speak. The Bible says the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ is foundational. It's the rock upon which we stand. When I was a kid, I mentioned my grandparents' house going for Thanksgiving. Meemaw and granddaddy, that's what I called them. They had a big farm and they had a lot of land. And in the back part of their property, they had a creek. And we used to love to go down to that creek. And depending on the season of the year and the temperature, we responded differently when we were around that creek. If it was summertime, we, you know, taking stuff off, shoes off, bathing suits on. We're in the creek, swimming in the creek, wading in the creek, skipping rocks. But if it's wintertime and it was really cold, as it usually was around Thanksgiving or closer to Christmas, when we went down to the creek, we were very careful because we didn't want to get our shoes and our feet in the water. Why? Because it was cold. And so whenever we wanted to cross the creek, you know what we did? We tried to find the biggest, most solid rock, right? You ever cross the creek and you don't want to step in the water? What do you do? You find rocks. You find something solid to place your foot and you kind of, you know, you kind of dance and you kind of reach and you kind of jump and you kind of lean. Why? Because you need solid footing. It's the same thing here with our salvation. We should build our lives upon the, upon the rock, upon the solid foundation the solid footing of Jesus Christ. But here's the problem. 
Too many of us have forgotten the magnificence of salvation in our lives, haven't we? We've kind of gotten over it. You know, sometimes when you go somewhere, even as beautiful as it is, after you've seen it two or three times, it's kind of ho-hum. You ever been there? You ever done that? Maybe you've been to the mountains and the first two or three times you went, it was amazing and beautiful and breathtaking and the fourth time it was nice and (laughs) the sixth and eighth and tenth time you've kind of seen it before and you're ready to move on. I I think sometimes we do that with our salvation, don't we? When we're first saved, we're excited and we realize what the Lord's done and we're joyous and energetic and sometimes even we want to share our faith with others. But the more we walk through life and the farther away we get from that, maybe the less importance it takes in our life. And it's not as big a deal as it used to be. Sometimes we find ourselves, when we list the things that we're thankful for in our lives, salvation comes somewhere near the bottom of the list. Not because we're not thankful for it, we've just got other things we're thinking about right now. The writer says, your salvation is the greatest gift you've ever received. It's a foundation upon which you should build your life and it should lead you to praise the Lord, to worship him, and to be thankful for everything he's given But it doesn't stop with salvation. Look again in Psalm 95. Let's go back to verse 1. Just read through them again. Come, let us sing for joy. Shout to the Lord, to the rock of our salvation, right? The sense of excitement because of who he is, because of the strength upon which we stand. Come, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Verse 3, for the Lord. And we're going to kind of have this list of some things that describes the Lord. For the Lord is the great God. He's the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Here's truth number two. Not only should we be thankful because of our salvation, not only should it form the foundation and the basis for everything we do, but we are thankful or should be thankful because the Lord is the great king and he controls all things. The Lord is the great king and he controls all things. You say, why does it say he's the, the great God and the, and the great king? Why, why don't we have to explain that? Well, because in Old Testament times, the Jewish people and especially the people that lived around them struggled with false idols. They struggled with false gods. In fact, if you were to read through the Old Testament, you'd see time and time again there's mentions of false gods, of false prophets, of these false deities, these, these, these people that were worshipped. Or these objects that were worshipped by all these people. And oftentimes the Lord would say, don't worship the false idols. Don't worship the false gods. I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm the great God and the great king. When we go to India and do mission work there, and we've got a team going back, actually four teams going back next year. When we go, we encounter this on a very real basis because over there it's estimated in that country alone that there are something like 300 million gods. I said that correctly, 300 million gods. You say, how could there be 300 million gods? Well, there are well over a billion people, first of all. And every family kind of chooses their own personal god they want to worship. And so when I was over there last time with the opportunity to kind of go door to door and speak to these people and share Christ and they're they're very welcoming. And so you kind of walk through the streets and you you knock on a door and and oftentimes because you're an American, you get an entryway into their house because they want to know about America. So we walked into this one house and, and they're so hospitable and kind that you're there for three or four hours. 
And as we're sitting there, we look over in the corner and there's a box on the wall. And I've told some of you this story before. It just, it just highlights this passage of scripture in my mind. There's a box over there on the wall and there's like little statues in the box. And there's little flowers in the box. And it's basically this idol worship center, so to speak. And so I asked the people, I played the dumb American, right? I know what it is very clearly because I've been praying about this kind of stuff. I know exactly what I'm looking at. But I asked them, what's the box? Oh, it's, it's the God of education, they tell me, through a translator. They have some sons that are in school, and so they're worshiping this God, and they put these, these things in the box on a regular basis, and they pay tribute to this God, and they make sacrifices for this God, and they give gifts to this God. And every home that you go in over there has got this little box. It's got this thing they worship. Now, we sit here in church on Sunday morning, and we think about that, and we think, how foolish. How silly that they've got this box of stuff that they worship. How silly they've got these false idols and all these false gods and 300 million. Every family's got their own little niche and things that they worship together as a family. And we, we look at them and we think, how silly. Until we think about ourselves. See, we don't, we don't have boxes in our house necessarily to house our little idols. But far too many of us bow down to the idol of materialism, don't we? Far too many of us bow down to the idol of wealth. Far too many of us bow down to the idol of status. We bow down to the idol of beauty, of doubt, of fear, of worry, on and on the list goes. You could all fill in the blank for your own personal little idol that you struggle with. We all do it, don't we? And we don't build a little box in our house, but the things that we possess and the way that we live our lives point very clearly, oftentimes, to our idols. God says, I'm the king of kings, and I'm the Lord of lords, and I'm the great God above all gods, and I am worthy of your worship. You say, but I struggle with that, Adam. I really struggle with that. I mean, I hear you. You're right. I know it in my mind. I know I shouldn't struggle with this idea of doubt or the idea of materialism or the idea of status. But I, I struggle with those things. What am I supposed to do? Well, I think the first thing you do is you, you fall on your face in prayer to the Lord and you ask the Lord to help you with these struggles. Lord, give me strength. I struggle with these things. Help me to better understand, Father. Help me to better see that you are the king of kings and you are the Lord of lords. But I want to suggest something to you. One of the best ways you can kind of get rid of these idols and get rid of these struggles is to simply give them to the Lord. You say, I struggle with this idea of status for some reason. I just, I want to seem important and I don't ever say that to anybody, but in my heart it's true. If, it were, if I were honest with everybody, I'd probably say I'm very vain. I mean, I want people to see me and acknowledge me. And I, and I struggle with this God of status. Well, I would encourage you, if you struggle with this God of status, why don't you begin to help people that are less fortunate than you? Why don't you serve somebody that doesn't have a whole lot? Because your idea of status and the importance of status will change in a hurry. When you begin to realize that the things that you possess don't really make you who you are. You say, I struggle with the idea of doubt. I struggle with my faith. I know the Lord is real and I know he's there, but I, I really, Adam, I just, I struggle with fear and, and worry. Why don't you begin on a very regular basis to notice all the ways in which the Lord has provided for you? All the ways in which the Lord has blessed you. Why don't you start a, a diary, just a simple little journal? 
And every time the Lord brings something in mind that he's done for you, a way in which he's blessed you, a way in which he's provided for you, a way in which he's given something to you, you write it down. And the next time you're doubting or you're worrying that he's really going to work, you, you get that little journal and you open it up and you praise God's name for all he's done for you. You say, I struggle with wealth. I struggle with this idea of amassing more and I, and I know I've got enough already, but I've just got this struggle. I need more and more. Why don't you begin to give some of that money away? Give that money away to people that are less fortunate than you. Because what we begin to understand is as we take these idols, they're not in a box, but we take these idols of our lives and we begin to give them to the Lord. We begin to give ourselves away to the Lord. We begin to see other people as more valuable than ourselves. You'd be amazed at how those idols will just melt away. God says, I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I am worthy to be worshipped. But see, as big as that is, it's even bigger. Take a look at verse 3 and 4 again and then into 5. Look at what he says. Bring those up again. For the Lord is the great God. He's the great King above all things. Now verse 4. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Not only does he love us enough to offer us salvation, not only is he the great king and the Lord of lords, but he is the creator of all things. We've seen this in Genesis, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1, 1 and 3, speaking about Christ, say in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. And now listen to this, through Him, all things were made, not some things, not a few things, not just some good things, all things were made and without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display his knowledge. Isn't it a beautiful thing to think that not only is he the creator of the universe, but he holds it all in his hands as well? We miss that, don't we? When's the last time we thank the Lord for not only creating all things, but sustaining all things as well? I did some work this weekend because the leaves had kind of taken over my yard. Some of you may be where I was. And so I was out raking and, you know, all the things you do with leaves, piling them up. And I was cutting the grass and spraying weeds and, and all the things we did. And at one point, I just kind of stopped in my backyard because at that moment, it was a crystal clear blue sky. It was about 65 degrees. And I just stopped. It was like the Lord said, just stop for a minute and look at what you have. Look at the beauty of creation. And I thought, Lord, you, you created all of this. The beauty of the skies at night, God created those things. The beauty of that sunset, God created those things. The vastness of the, of the, of the universe and the stars and the moon and all the things, that God created all those things. Can you imagine his power and his might and his ability and his love for us to create those things so we can enjoy that beauty? Have you ever thought about it like that? Have you ever thought about the creation for us is a blessing from the Lord? When's the last time we stopped and just thanked the Lord for the sunrise, for the warmth of the day? I was, coming to, I was coming to church early this morning, well before the sun was up, and way out on the horizon towards the east. The sun rises in the east, right? I guess, yeah, it still does. Towards the east, I could see just a, just a 
tiny sliver of very dim light in just a sea of blackness. It was like the Lord reminded me, I'm, the sun's going to rise today, Adam. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you the warmth that you need in the sun. I'm going to give you all the things that you I'm going to bless you and I'm going to love you because I'm the creator of all things and I hold all things in my hand. But I think it's even more beautiful than that. Let's, let's finish this thing up. Look at Psalm 95, 6 and 7. Kind of bring it close to home here. So because he's given us salvation, because he's the creator, because he holds all things in his hands, look at verse 6. So come, let us bow down and worship, right? It brings us to a place of worship when we recognize who he is and all he's given. Let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Verse 7, here's the personal touch. For he is our God. You see that? And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Here's truth number three. We should be thankful because God is our God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I mean, you think about the the vastness of space. You think about the vastness of the universe. You think about all the things God has created. All of his power and all of his majesty and all of his might. And the Bible says, not only did he create all of those things, not only did he give all those things, not only did did he, with his very hands and his breath and his voice, form those things, but the Bible says that he's the creator of the universe and he created us as well. That means the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords not only created the universe, but he created you. And the Bible tells us he did it in his own image. And what a, what a, what a picture of his power and his love and his mercy and his grace manifest in your life. And here's the most incredible thing of all. God says, when I created you, You are my prized creation. You understand that? You're at the top of the list. In God's eyes, you're more beautiful than that sunset. You're more beautiful than that starry sky. You're more beautiful than that crystal clear blue sky and that cool breeze that blows on that fall afternoon. You're more beautiful than anything the Lord has ever done. God said, I loved you so much that I created you in my image. You know, sometimes we struggle with self-image. Maybe you're struggling with self-image. Sometimes we struggle with our worth. That's simply the devil lying to you. You understand that? God said, you are the most beautiful creation in all the universe. And I've got a plan specifically for you. And I love you so much that I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on the cross for your sins. God says, that's how much you're worth. I'm going to be your God. And you're going to be my people. That should lead us to a place of worship. It should lead us to a place of praise. And so I want to challenge you this morning as we finish up. I want to challenge you this Thanksgiving to do something. You're going to be with your family. You're going to enjoy time off from work. You're you're going to enjoy food. You're going to have the opportunity to talk with your family and friends. And you're probably going to have a time when you're sitting around the table and you're going to have a time of prayer. And maybe you're going to talk and have some sort of a discussion about things you're thankful for. Whatever that looks like for your family. 
I want you to remember the faithfulness of the Lord. I want you to remember all the ways in which he's blessed you, your family and your health and, and your love. All those things are important. But I want you to be absolutely sure that you talk about the spiritual blessings the Lord has given you. And I want you to be thankful for everything that he's done in your life. Because of all the blessings that we receive, of all the things that he's ever given us, the spiritual blessings we get from him are by far the greatest and should absolutely lead us to a place of thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for all you've done for us. We're, of course, thankful for the blessings of life, Father, you provide for us and the things that you do and the things you give us. But help us to, in the proper perspective, Father, understand the spiritual blessings we receive from you. The blessing of salvation, that you are the great God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all things. And yet you loved us enough to create us, to sustain us, to send Christ to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, I want to just this Christmas, this Thanksgiving, Father, I want to reflect on the beauty of who you are, the goodness of this life. And Father, I want to be thankful for all the spiritual blessings you've given us. Lord, you speak to us very clearly for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. I'm going to give you the chance, as we always do, to pray. Maybe you need to pray about something you're struggling with. Maybe there's a little idol box in your house that's kind of hidden, but it's something you deal with. Maybe you don't realize the goodness and the greatness of your Lord. You have an opportunity to pray. Maybe for the first time you've been confronted with the fact that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to repent of your sins and accept Christ or join the church. But this is your time. You respond as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.